From the front line. It's not going to work, man. From the tailgates. Representing KGYR and its stakeholders. We are the Forum for the Fan. The Bleed Blue Show. Flying solo. Here's your host, Steve. Yeah, welcome to this edition, All Around Football with Azul, Episode One. College football, pro football. My thoughts over the weekend, over the weekend games, and collegiately and professionally. Uh, let's just jump right into it. But first and foremost, want to apologize. I understand uh, some of the listeners wanted to hear the, the feedback or the reaction to the post game episode, uh, Cowboys and Giants, where the Giants got destroyed, right? But. Uh, we had technical difficulties. Uh, they'll pick up the conversation uh, on the preview episode versus the Cardinals on what happened in the disaster Sunday night football. Giants getting mollywhopped by the Cowboys. I'll touch upon that when I get to the pro football side of things. But I'll start collegiately, and we all know the talk of college football right now with the uh, Colorado Buffaloes. Uh, I, I got to go back to the first week because I wasn't around to discuss this, but uh, go back to the uh, the whole transfer portal thing with all the transfer players on the roster and Deion Sanders takes over and they go to TCU, a 17th ranked team in the country, the Horn Frogs in Fort Worth, Texas, where uh, they did a good job winning that game in a back and forth fun game, uh, 45-42, uh, a lot of back and forth as far as the possessions and a big game by Shador Sanders, the quarterback, uh, the transfer students, Deion Sun from uh, Jackson State. Uh, but going to week two, uh, they played Nebraska, and I watched that game. I watched, you know, all the, I watched all pretty much as many games as I possibly can so I could discuss this stuff, right? So uh, Nebraska, uh, they shot themselves in the foot. Uh, first half turnovers, they, they they killed themselves with uh, the two botch fumbles. Uh, Sims, uh, the quarterback for Nebraska, uh, had an interception that set up the uh, Shador Sanders touchdown pass to Devaris Daskin to make it to nothing right before half. Uh, I think they uh, they uh, they had the PAT to make it to nothing, but Nebraska's defense uh, they, they kept them in it. Uh, they were in striking distance, and I know they were Colorado. You saw in week one the ability to mix and match with establishing the run and passing the rock, where in this game, Colorado could not get nothing on the ground earlier and often, and especially in the first half. They looked kind of uh, out of sync, maybe because of what they did to TCU. But uh, Colorado had a good response touchdown after the Sims touchdown uh, up the right sideline. Uh, Shador Sanders uh, had the, uh, the touchdown pass to Xavier Weaver. Uh, Colorado did a good job uh, getting a lot of points in, that, in the second half. So if you really look at the game in a nutshell, uh, they put up they, they could score in bunches. They ha- they are a talented bunch of guys. Uh, in Colorado that, that went over there. And I know the, the, the big hype with uh, Travis Hunter. I watched a lot of the Amazon Prime from last season when they were at Jackson State, and he's the two-way player, wide receiver, cornerback. He plays damn near every snap, it seems. Uh, uh, Horn Jr. is on that team. Uh, Richardson is on that team. Dylan Edwards is the running back. They are a talented, skillful bunch of guys. They will win a lot of games in the Pac-12 this season. They will win a lot of games in the Pac-12. Um, going back to the TCU game, uh, 
the fact that they, they capitalize off of the turnovers, uh, the picks, the Bailey runs. Um, the Colorado Buffaloes, I don't think it's far-fetched for a team that's definitely, I mean, all you got to do is what, win six, seven games, be in the bowl game pretty much. But uh, they, they're a team that they could, they could really light it up in really bunches, and they have a very good quarterback in Shador Sanders, who's he, obviously the son of a, uh, an all-time GOAT. When we talk about go athlete, uh, running the ball, you could run, you know, the RPO, uh, the pass options there. He's athletic enough to get to his spots to set up the throws. Man, he's got a skilled bunch of guys at wide receiver. If some of his linemen actually do some good, good do a good job with blocking, you saw that in the TCU game as well. But uh, off to a two and zero start, Colorado. A nice win over Nebraska. A very nice win that really set off the college football map with a lot of uh, people taking notice of what Deion Sanders has brought to that program from Jackson State. Uh, obviously, there's no doubt about it. From my opinion, you know, my my the way I look at Deion, I, he's definitely a goat. When I say goat, look at a guy who's always a uh, a multi-sport athlete. Track and field, football, baseball, on a professional level, hit for a very good average when he was a pro with the Atlanta Braves. First thing with the Yankees, Atlanta Braves, Cincinnati Reds, and then of course Atlanta Falcons, San Francisco 49ers, Dallas Cowboys, um, Hall of Famer. I mean, and then also coaching up, uh, you know, smart and intellectual analyst as well as a guy um, who's who went up the ranks just from coaching from the youth up into, through the HBCU circuit and then now uh, on the Division One in the Pac-12 with the Colorado Buffaloes. Off to a 2-0 and start. Uh, Shout-outs to the um, the Colorado Buffaloes as well. Um, now, the Notre Dame game, <laughs> now they come on off the big win uh, in Dublin, Ireland over the Navy midshipmen. Uh, they had a, another road game. Uh, in Raleigh, North Carolina, at Carter Finley Stadium versus the Wolfpack, North Carolina State Wolfpack. Uh, they they just toyed with the uh, Wolfpack, man. They were too physical for them. Uh, just uh, you know, the play action was working with them. Very good win for the North Carolina. I mean, for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, off to two and zero. I know they're in the ACC in the basketball sense. They're in the ACC, but kind of independent with, when it comes to the football because of the money they make and it's just different animal when it comes to Notre Dame football versus the rest of the sports in that p- program, like most colleges, but it definitely holds weight when it comes to Notre Dame. Uh, yeah, they, they just put it on North Carolina state, man. Um, I think they got, I got, they got a pretty much a cupcake next week with central Michigan at home for their home opener, uh, Notre Dame, but, uh, put up 456 yards, uh, over the weekend on the road, you know, they just dominated. Rushing the rock for 170 yards, um, uh, convert, you know, converted on 30% of their first downs. But um, that game, uh, North Carolina State, who did beat UConn in their opener on the road in, in Connecticut, but turnaround was faced with a different animal in, in the Notre Dame fighting Irish, man. I mean, that's, uh, you know, Hartman has played well for the um, fighting Irish, threw for four touchdowns. Estimate had ran for 134 yards and two touchdowns for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. They got a nice balance of weapons, man. Uh, states out there on the white wide receivers front, uh, the catching the rock, uh, leading the, the charge. But yeah, they too much, too much Notre Dame over the North, North Carolina State uh, uh, Wolfpack. 
for your game number two, and they got an easy game next week. They should handle Central Michigan with no problem, with no problem. Uh, one another game that was actually pretty good through three quarters. Um, more of a backyard um, matchup rivalry. The old Mississippi running Rebels versus the Tulane Green Wave. I know Mississippi, uh, their campus in Oxford, not too far, maybe, uh, maybe a half, like what, three hour, maybe a three to four hour drive, I would think, to New Orleans to play Tulane on the road, who's actually a top uh, 17 team this year, you know, a top 20 team in the Tulane Green Wave. And, you know, I kind of had to do a little bit of research before the start of the season of why they were ranked so high, uh, the AP, and they played in the American Conference. Ole Miss in the SEC, but uh, this you know this is was something I would like to see a little bit more of these interconferences rivalries that we will see starting to see more, if, not in the Big Twelve or the SEC, but you know some of these teams like Tulane coming out of the uh, American Conference, but uh, Tulane shot themselves in the foot with, uh, late in the fourth quarter with the turnovers as well. Um, Mississippi pulling away. Now, I did like them last year when they had the two back running back attack, bringing back uh, Dart as quarterback. Uh, he, he passed pretty efficiency, efficiently um, on Saturday with the two touchdowns, 267 yards. Uh, you get the balance of the, um, you know, he, has, he brings the legs to the table as far as running the rock with the RPO. Jenkins uh, is your other running back as well for the uh, – from Mississippi, uh, but they win this game going on the way, man. They were, they just dominated the fourth quarter. Uh, the, the Greenway was never able to uh, recover. Uh, Makai Hughes had a good game for uh, Tulane. Almost, I think he almost had 100 yards. Not quite there. Uh, but that was another game on the on the schedule that um, that I you know maybe Tulane turns it around, but they're not going to have a lot of powerhouse conference foes like they will see like or like what Ole Miss will see. So that's a nice road win for Mississippi, Ole Mississippi, uh, the, the running Rebels. Now, one game I want to get to uh, with Utah and Baylor. I was, <laughs> That game almost screwed my pool in the such because Baylor uh, could have forced an overtime, you know, could have forced the uh, Kansas City overtime. Because what was really weird in that game, the game in Baylor and Waco, um, Utah pretty much almost screwed me where they tried to run the ball out, where the, uh, the, the back did not want to cross the goal line. He wanted to eat the clock and probably kick a late field goal, which was strategy, but he ended up getting tackled in the end zone. So they tried to run it out, but they ended up getting a touchdown where Baylor came almost down the field. And gave up a game tying touchdown with an extra point, or they could have even went for the game winner with two points. Possible borderline pass interference in the end zone, which Utah sealed the you know sealed the deal for the victory. I had Utah actually going in there and winning. Utah is a pretty decent team. Um, Baylor will definitely compete this year. They'll probably be better next year with the guys returning. But um, good win by the Utah Utes. Uh, I thought it was a little unique that. They almost forced the overtime um, by almost with the pass interference in the end zone. That's what it really came down to in that game. That <laughs> was really um, that has my high, you know, with the football over the weekend. Is you can never trust uh, Judd Fisher 
Jumbo Fisher with the Texas A&M Aggies. They had a rough second half of the year last year, the Texas A&M Aggies. And, and I thought they would have at least went to Miami, Miami Gardens, and, and, and went on the road where, where the crowd is not sold out. Um, Texas A&M, they, they let me down, man. They definitely did, man. Well, not, I wouldn't say they let me down. They let the country down. It's, it's almost like you can't buy their hype. Texas A&M, they, they, they just, uh, wow, and that fourth quarter was just bad. Now, Connor Wingman, who had his, you know, did his part, threw for 336 yards, two touchdowns. They got some balance with Evan Stewart out at wide receiver. But, man, the defense for the Aggies could not stop anything, man. Tyler Van Dyke, who had a monster game, threw for five touchdowns, 374 yards. Uh, Res Pestro had a nice game for 126 yards receiving for the Hurricanes. I, they, I just like every time people think or ranking the Texas A&M Aggies, and to me it's almost like a why. Big letdown game by the Aggies, man, for real. And, and it really happened in the fourth quarter. Uh, watching that game, that was, that was like the 3:30 game. And um, of course, Texas A&M definitely come back. That's not a division or a conference game. So they'll see teams like Texas and they'll see teams uh, in the SEC that they will have to compete against, the uh, LSUs and Alabamas. But, wow, the way they went out in Miami, um, that, that's one game you kind of need to keep on your, your, your Rolodex to, uh, for, to accumulate wins for a bowl game or possible put them themselves in a the position um, national championship implications, but now that's out the window, losing to Miami, because I don't see them making up for that particular game, man. So Texas A&M falling to the Miami Hurricanes, man. What unfortunate stuff, man. Now, the also, you know, I could talk about what USC did to Stanford on Saturday night. Uh, Kayla Williams and the, and the Trojans just destroying the Stanford Cardinal, who are just trying to find their way in the Pac-12. Uh and then what happened with Washington State and Wisconsin over the week? You know, Wisconsin trying to make the comeback. Well, Washington State, um, you know, they just um, pulled away at the end uh, with a nice win. They were up early, Washington State, the Cougars. Uh, Oregon, nice win in uh, Lubbock, Texas. Uh, I had to go back and watch some of the end of that game. But... Uh, Outside of that, you know, we could talk about Duke and what they're going to face in the ACC. They had the big win over Clemson week one. And then, you know, not too surprising, but North Carolina with the big win over South Carolina. And, you know, Spencer Rattler, I just feel it got some overrated vibes. And you can blame it on the South Carolina defense if you want. But North Carolina with with the double overtime win against Appalachian State, uh, riding that momentum, Matt Brown's team riding the momentum after winning in Charlotte on neutral site. Well, I guess you could call it a neutral site with the rivalry game between South Carolina week one. But um, the game I, I really was paying attention to at, you know, at 8 o'clock was Texas-Alabama. We saw that game last year. That game was in Austin where Bryce Young was the quarterback for the Alabama Crimson Tide, and that was a nail-biter where Texas just fell short where Alabama squeaked it out. Well, the tide has turned, no pun intended. Uh, Quinn Evers, the quarterback for Texas, 
he had an excellent second and fourth quarters, yo. He had two touchdowns to a Donnie Mitchell. Uh, he had the early go-ahead touchdown in the fourth quarter and the insurance run by Jonathan Brooks. Alabama does not like – they do not look like Alabama. Uh, week one, you could probably say, eh, you know, week one jitters. They've been around the block. They'll figure it out. But now Texas is now being in the SEC. And then after how they lost to – Alabama last year, I thought Alabama would have – they normally win these games at home in Tuscaloosa. They they normally win those games at Brian Finney. But I am a little shocked that Texas literally outplayed um, Alabama Crimson Society. And it's not too often in the regular season you, see, you say Nick Saban was outplayed. I was a little shocked at that, man, especially Texas outgaining them in total yards out the game. They, they they won the second and fourth quarters, and that was a big difference in the game, you know. Uh, Jontavian Sanders had a good game receiving yards for the uh, for the Texas Longhorns. Um, and Alabama was probably, what, a seven, eight-point favorite going into this game. So this was considered an upset. Jalen Monroe had a bad game. His accuracy was shot. He barely passed for 50% of his, uh, his, his completions. And he was just missing guys, definitely. Did not – Alabama – in the Nick Saban era has been known for running the rock real well with whether it's Trent Richardson, uh, Mark Ingram, Josh Jacobs. I mean, they've had nothing but a factory of running backs under the Nick Saban tenure, but Jason McClellan in a big game only had 45 yards, man. And that's not typical Alabama. This is not the, that's, this is not what we kind of don't quite normally see especially getting passed on like that. Now, we've seen this in spurts and bigger games in the, like, you know, in the, um, uh, the, you know, the playoff system, like when they played the, the, the Bulldogs and they went up against, like, Jalen uh, Hurts and uh, Tua Tullagavoya. You've seen that, like, getting up, lit up in big yards or versus Clemson versus Deshaun Watson, but never really in the regular season like that, and especially at home. Very, very uh, shocking uh, I would say, or surprising to watch um, uh, on the college football front. So after the first two weeks, I mean, the, really the story, well, Colorado, I think the country is revolving around Deion Sanders and what he's bringing all these transfer players to the table under one helm because we've never seen this before pretty much in college football because of the dynamics of players staying on one team, can't transfer unless being registered. And now – you see everybody else, uh, you know, your top ten. I mean, Michigan handled UNLV. That was that, that was easy money. Uh, Florida State uh, in week one when they beat up on LSU, especially in the fourth quarter. You know, Jordan Travis uh, had it was his, his way with, especially with his new weapon from Michigan State, uh, the six four wide receiver. Um, uh, what is his name? Coleman, Keon Coleman. So you, you start to see the shakeup. Uh, who is who? Uh, if you want to buy some of the USC stock, USC stock out of the Pac-12, they maybe have the competition with Utah and Oregon. I, mean, I remember that they were talking about how that conference was going to be a little bit of a weakling, but it looks real strong with Utah up in there and Oregon, USC, and Oregon State is a team that do not sleep on. Um, Alabama should still be in the top ten, but barely, I think – I could arguably say there's going to be other teams like Tennessee, I think, are better. Um, 
Ohio State, uh, they played Young, Youngstown State, and I, and I saw them give them, you know, they, it was easy work for them, and they had to wait one win in Indiana. Uh, I definitely want to, I'm looking forward to that Ohio State-Penn State. It is due for Penn State to get a win against them, definitely due. So just top-level stuff, college football, as I transition to the pro football and get to the rest of the NFL. And, wow, what a, um interesting, interesting uh, week two uh, uh, well, actually, week one in the National Football League. Um, week two for the college, week one for the NFL. And, and where do I start, man? Where do I start with the pros, man? Because I saw a, a lot of these games. And the Cardinal game and the uh, Commander game, we could start there. Um, just pretty much soft scouting because, you know, with the football, with the KGYR platform, uh, we are Giants-based first. We know we play the Cardinals in week two. You'll hear the preview in the post game outside the technical difficulties. Uh, coming up this week, but uh, South scouting, I was watching the, the Cardinals defense do a very good job with three turnovers in the first half. Uh, they brought in Joshua Dobbs. He was traded uh, like, like late August because of the injury to Kyler Murray. Uh, it, he didn't, This guy didn't even work out with his wide receivers like Hollywood Brown, Zach Ertz, the tight end, but they were actually, they were actually in this game, had a lead. Uh, a six-point lead, especially throughout that third quarter. Uh, it started to rain in D.C. at, at uh, FedEx Field. Uh, it started to rain hard. And surprisingly, Arizona was playing better when the, when it was raining. I was watching this game. I'm like, damn. Uh, they they were handling the, the, like Sam Howell and the, and, the, and the commanders had no – they had no answer. They really had no answer. Jalen Thompson – uh, there was a big moment, uh, I say a partial moment, where Jalen Thompson should have had a pick off of uh, uh, for the Cardinals. Should have had a, an interception through the hands of uh, Brian Robinson, the running back for the Commanders, and went through his hands in the third quarter. Crucial moment in the game because on the third down late in the third quarter, uh, Deron Payne and the, 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 the defensive line for the Commanders really turned it up, and they forced the fumble on Dobbs. And Montez Sweat had a big second half, man. He had a big hit uh, that um, that was helped to cause the fumble. Uh, Sam Howell ended up getting a touchdown out of that to, to go back up where it went up 17-16 to 16 with four minutes left, with four minutes and 40 seconds left in the game. Um, later on, man, Montez Sweat also did it again. He knocked out the ball uh, off of a, Josh, a Joshua Dobbs botched snap. And he actually knocked the ball out of his hand to cause another fumble recovery by the commanders. And then the last drive under the two minutes, you see Jonathan Allen, another defensive lineman for the commanders that just got him in waves. That's a top three, top five defensive lineman uh, with a hit on Dobbs to really put the game away. So uh, big win. They got the new ownership going on with D.C. Uh, with uh, Magic Johnson and that team. Uh, a lot of fans, they were loud, man. That, that, play, that place was loud week one, man. Got to give them props for a, a good come-from-behind ugly football win uh, with the Washington Commanders over the Arizona Cardinals. Um, then the other games, uh, go through the other games. That <laughs> I'm trying to tell you all, man, the Browns are a sleeper team to make the playoffs. As long as the quarterback is playing most of the games and they don't have a significant injury, uh, Deshaun Watson in the defense of the Cleveland Browns, uh, they they smothered the Bengals, man. The Bengals had a big letdown game, uh, probably the second worst of the day outside of the Giants. We'll get to that later, of course. But uh, 
standalone game, the Battle of Ohio, the Bengals' offense could not do not a thing. They could not do a thing. And the one thing about watching the Cleveland Browns, and if you're a defensive guy, I mean, watching Miles Garrett is a special treat to say, just the fact that coming off that left tackle edge, coming around that corner, dipping his shoulders, twisting his hips, chasing down Joe Burrow. Um, just, it's just a, he's just a simple menace, man, straight-up menace out there on that field. Deshaun Watson had the, uh, the rollout touchdown pass to Harrison Bryant. And I'm telling you, they have the run game, of course, with Nick Chubb. The line, the offensive line is not great, and the defense is serviceable. They were missing the quarterback, of course, and they got him late last year after the, uh, the hiatus with the suspension. I really believe the Cleveland Browns have a shot to make the playoffs. I really do in a, in a loaded AFC conference. And you, they have the big piece in, in the quarterback. He's a winning quarterback. We all know that. National champion with the Clemson Tigers. And, of course, uh, has some – Okay, success with the Houston Texans did not work out, obviously, with the things that were going on. But uh, the Cleveland Browns, be on the lookout for them. The team that's probably going to come out the NFC or has a good chance to come out the NFC, that is the San Francisco 49ers. They dominated the, San, uh, the Pittsburgh uh, Steelers. Uh, so much balance. They, they sure would want the Philadelphia one if it wasn't for the uh, quarterback getting hurt, Brock Purdy overwhelmed the Steelers, especially running the ball. You saw Christian McCaffrey get the big touchdown, spin moves between left tackle, left guard, and, of course, run scampered down the, the sidelines, getting great blocking by the wide receivers and Brandon Ayuk. Um, Steelers, I, I'm not buying the Steelers stunt like I think a lot of fans are. And it's not because of the reputation of the organization. I just don't think they're quite there coming off of the Ben Roethlisberger era and having that main guy, Kenny Pickett, I'm not as sold as him as the franchise quarterback for the Steelers. But from a Niners perspective, I mean, I mean, they are loaded. They are primed to get to a Super Bowl with a roster like that. They're scary to play because they can beat you many ways. They can beat you running the ball, and they can beat you passing the ball, and they got pass rushes to get after the quarterback, and they have above-average linebackers. I mean, they got it all, man. They really got it all. Um... So, big win by the 49ers. No surprise there beating the, up on the Steelers. I was also watching the Jacksonville Jaguar game versus the Colts. Uh, you saw Calvin Ridley make his debut with the Jaguars. He got a touchdown in, uh, early on in the game, and Zay Thomas ended up getting a touchdown as well. Jacksonville has some nice weapons, and, of course, Trev, Trevor Lawrence um, is a very good quarterback. Uh, they had a very good first half. Uh, and especially uh, Calvin Ridley, who had his, like, seven receptions in the first half, but then kind of went quiet or went off the radar a little bit. Uh, the, the guard, Brendan Scherf, uh, he got hurt, so I'm not exactly sure what his injury status is or was. But um, outside of that, uh, there was a play by Michael Pittman, who is a, he caught a wide receiver screen to tie up the game at 14-14. to but after that, it was pretty much all Jacksonville. There was a touchdown run by Brisby. Uh, they go up 24-21. to There was also a flash from the pass from the uh, Clemson ties with Trevor Lawrence and Travis Ntn. He There was a burst, a 25-yard run to go up 31-21. to Travis Ntn, it looks fresh. Uh, remember, he hurt himself his rookie year, and it takes a year pretty much to come back from some of these leg injuries. Uh, but he looks fresh and looks good. 
uh, looks fast in, in, in the AFC South. It should be the Jaguars and pretty much whoever could be next. Maybe the Titans. I don't have stock on the, uh, the team I'm about to say next in the Houston Texans because uh, they're trying to get back into the winning ways. But a uh, good win by the Jaguars over the Colts. Uh, Anthony Richardson actually played well in this game. But it was really more about the Jaguars' offense, the diversity of the wide receivers, the new weapons, and a, and a refresh weapon in Travis Etienne and out of the backfield, and Brisby, too. Nice one-two punch by them uh, in, in Doug Peterson's offense. Houston at uh, the Houston Texans at the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, C.J. Straw, the, uh, the Ohio State quarterback, his debut. Um, I got to say it like this. Uh, sometimes when you lose – uh, you win, and sometimes when you win, you lose. That is the old quote from Rosie Perez and White Man Can't Jump. And and this is the game where I say, well, Baltimore won the game, however, suffered a significant injury to J.K. Dobbins uh, with a torn Achilles coming off the field. Yes, they beat the um, they beat the uh, Houston Texans, but him leaving that game. Him lo- losing that one-two punch, he was an effective play day, and especially him, he did not see a big pay day. And that's unfortunate for him. He's probably not going to get the maximum dollars now with that Achilles injury. That is just a bad break, man. And this is the reason why these running backs have these, or players in general, but especially running backs, they got it or they want that pay day because of their security for situations like this. And I am sorry for the J.K. Doms and his family and his peers for not be going to be able to reach that. I don't see that happening because of the nature of the business. But Baltimore would would easily uh, easy command win over the Houston Texans at home for their home opener. Man, uh, I did not see a lot of that Carolina Panther Atlanta Falcon game. I know Bryce Young started. To be honest, I did not watch a lot of that game. I know Atlanta won. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, they had a two touchdown win, so I'll just leave it at that. I did see more of the end with the Titans at the Saints. Um, Derek Carr had a you know opening debut at the Superdome, 300 yard passing game. Uh, he has a nice little shared weapon with uh, that Shahid kid, man. That guy's a little fast, man. There was a play where he caught a, a ball along the sidelines, and they tried, you know, they they went to review and they they uh, they upheld the uh, the call on the field. But an ugly, low scoring. You know, you don't see those a lot over the last 15 years, especially the Sean Payton and Drew Brees years in New Orleans, where uh, it was only a 15 to 13 win by the Saints and, and the Titans, who ended up getting DeAndre Hopkins and of course Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. I don't know what um, uh, what Vrabel, the head coach, is going to do at Tennessee. Um, I thought this was a winnable game by them, and they got to muster up a lot of offense because this is a team that did not generate a lot of offense last year that did not generate a lot of offense last year. So, um, good win by the Saints, 1-0. Atlanta Falcons, 1-0. Who was in the division? Oh, yeah, Tampa Bay. They beat up on the Minnesota Vikings. So, there's three teams in the 1-0. The only team that did not win was the Carolina Panthers, who played the Falcons. So, uh, I saw the Vegas game, a Vegas Bronco game in Denver, the debut for Sean Payton as head coach. And I know there's been a lot of rumblings of, what Sean Payton has said to um, uh, about Nathaniel Hackett, the former head coach of the uh, the Broncos from the previous season, now head offensive coordinator with Aaron Rodgers with the Jets. But um, opening kick of this game, did you see this shit? And 
uh, an onside kick that was not recovered by the Broncos. Uh, ended up as the open and drive for Jimmy Garoppolo getting a touchdown to Myers on the open and drive. Uh, Russell Wilson uh, had an okay game, but ended up, uh, he did uh, had a nice drive before half. Um, but damn, uh, he, he on that drive before the half, it was it was a good camaraderie to get them nice chunks of yards, and there's going to be a lot of Russell Wilson to Cortland Sutton combination throughout the season, especially with the O line protection that they got. So there was a, a in the first half for Russell Wilson under the Sean Payton offense. Uh, he went 17 for 19 for 125 yards and two touchdowns. Not a bad first half uh, with a season debut, but um, it really came down to um, what happened uh, at the, the after the two minute winner with Jimmy Garoppolo getting that eight yard run to seal the deal in the Las Vegas uh, uh, milking out or pretty much running out the clock and, and Sean Payton not having any timeouts. And that was pretty much all she rose. So that's a good road win for the division, the old AFC West, and whether the whether they are the Oakland Raiders, the Los Angeles Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders, California Raiders, whatever Raiders. Very even game. Teams was pretty much even in total yards, uh, even first downs. It was pretty much a nip and tuck game with five and uh, Third down, both teams going five out of 11. Uh, but, yeah, it really came down to the timeout situation by Sean Payton and Jimmy Garoppolo getting that eight-yard run on third down. So, yeah, kudos to them. Uh, let's see. The game, another game I was watching, and they, they um, Tom Brady being um, celebrated with the Patriots right before the start of the game, the, uh, the Eagles versus the Patriots. It was really a, the battle of Alabama quarterbacks. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts for the Eagles and uh, Matt Jones for the uh, New England Patriots. Um, you saw a lot of gang getting a lot of touches early on in the first half of the Eagles because Miles Sanders now is the running back on the, you know, he got the uh, payday with the Panthers. Uh, I don't think they are as strong at running back as they were last year. They might have to get somebody, maybe they'll have to, uh, an, another running back to that roster because they don't look as strong. The, it, it's not the same accustomed Philadelphia Eagles offense after week one that we are used to. Maybe you could say it was the weather conditions in Foxborough because it was raining. It rained a lot in that game. Um, New England uh, had a good, a lot of good third down stops against uh, Hertz, and it ended up, you know, they got a weapon in Elliott who makes a lot of field goals for the Philadelphia Eagles. As you already know, as, as Giant fans, you know, we've seen a lot of Elliott field goals along the way. Uh, Darius Slade Jr. had a pick six in this game. Uh, it was a ball that was not Matt Jones' fault. It went off the uh, wide receiver. Uh, I forgot the guy's name, number 84 for the uh, Patriots. Uh, Darius Slade Jr. Uh, returned that pick six for the, uh, making a 10 nothing game. Uh, even Devontae, uh, Devontae Smith caught a touchdown uh, by, you know, a touchdown pass from Jalen Hurts, making 16 nothing and he missed the PAT. But uh, the Patriots hung around, man. They did not. I thought the Eagles would have blown them out. But New England hung around, man. They really did. Um, Matt Jones had a 20-yard pe- uh, touchdown pass to, uh, to Kendrick Bourne. Uh, they, they came back in this game to make it 16-14. The goal to the fourth quarter, 
uh, after New England got the touchdown to cut the lead to 25 to 20, and they had a two field. They, well, they actually had a, a two point conversion. They got it, but they got it. They had to get it called back because of holding. They ended up not getting the two point conversion on the next possession by the Eagles on third down, where a quarterback keeper, a play call by Jalen Hurts, it was a clean hit by Jabril Peppers for the Patriots made uh, uh, Jalen Hurts fumble the ball. The England was in striking distance to actually take the lead in this game. Uh, uh, but if it was, you know, if it wasn't for the uh, pass rush by Josh Wett, um, uh, he beat uh, the tackle Brown like a drum, uh, and really took New England and really cut the playbook in half and really sealed the deal. I know New England ended up getting a reception, but the guy was out of bounds. And England, uh, New England, losing to the Philadelphia Eagles, twenty-five to twenty. The Green Bay um, Chicago game. We saw uh, Jordan Love. I wanted to see some of the hype, but that was that game was very boring <laughs> in the first half. It was really a snooze fest. Um, he he had a couple of touchdowns to uh, to uh, to dudes, but uh, Justin Fields, on the other hand, there was some questionable questionable play that he had. There was a second down. Uh, he should have threw the ball away, and he lost a lot of yards by getting uh, tackled by Kenny Clark. Who had a monster game, by the way. Big game by Kenny Clark. Uh, he Taking him out of field goal range or to, you know, set up a, a, some sort of points, more maximizing points with at least a touchdown. It happened again on the third, uh, the third quarter where Justin Fields was scrambling and Kenny Clark uh, gets him for, what, a 10-yard loss, you know, and caused a fumble on the ne- very next possession. Now, he was a monster out there. Aaron Jones uh, had a touchdown, but I think he went out of the game with a hamstring to go up 17-6. to Packers was up 24-6 to late in the third quarter. And, you know, at that point, I was like, man, this game's out. Because I was actually more in tune with the Miami Charger, the Miami Dolphin Charger game. Uh, Justin Fields hit uh, uh, Darnell Moody with a touchdown, and he got the two-point conversion to make it 24-14. So I kind of stuck with this game for a little bit. And then um, I, I was trying to get to the, some of that Rams Seahawks game because I wasn't really paying attention to that outside of some plays I saw. I think DK Metcalf had a touchdown, but uh, Jordan Love actually played well in that second half. Man, he had a five-play, sixty-one-yard uh, drive to set up a touchdown to go up thirty-one to fourteen. And then somehow I went away from this game and I come back. It was thirty-eight fourteen. I didn't know how they got that. Then when I went back to look at the highlights, I saw that the uh, uh, Green Bay had a pick six. I was like, wow. They just no matter if it was Favre, it doesn't matter if it's Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love, they they find a way to beat the Bears, man. Now this was the game of the goddamn day. Was the Miami Charger game? I already knew this was the game of the day because we seen them play last year. Uh, this is one of those games where whoever has the ball last was pretty much going to win, and that was pretty much what you saw. This Miami Dolphin Charger game. Um. They played against each other. Remember, they, remember, Miami went on the road last year. They played the Niners on that road trip. They ended up playing the Chargers. This is the same shit. Tua had to start. Um, so many passes to Jaden Waddle. Uh, I mean, so much speed. Uh, as long as he stays healthy, I man, they're going to be fun to watch. Uh, the Chargers had an epic collapse last year versus the, uh, the Jaguars in Jacksonville last year. So I wanted to see how they're going to come out in this uh, game this year. Uh, uh, you know, open a game this year. Uh, Justin Herbert had a deep pass to Keenan Allen off the left sideline, running the ball, the one-two punch with Kelly and Austin Eckler. He had a sh- uh, Kelly had a touchdown run. Uh, Austin Eckler had a 55-yard run, was like the longest of his career. 
That set up the one-yard touchdown at the goal line with Keenan Allen. Miami on that very next possession, they go right down the field and get a touchdown by uh, uh, Raheem Mostar, the, the running back. But Miami got so many fucking wide receivers, man, with River Kravkoff, uh, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill had a monster game as well, especially in the second half. Uh, but even the drive before the half, man, Miami went up 17-14 to 14 with the Kraft, the Kraft uh, touchdown pass from Tua Tavis. Let's put it like this, Tua. Let me get a sip of this. I'm getting, my mouth is getting calm. I'm talking all this football, man. <clears throat> the third quarter, it comes – at the start of the, uh, the third quarter, Justin Herbert, he had a quarterback keeper. They had a nice drive to start the third quarter, go up 24-20. Tua had a nice pass to hit Tyreek Hill. I mean, that's just a work of art. I mean, they were doing that last year. You're going to see a lot of that, that this year, that one-two punch between Hill gets a pass. And it's like almost like hero ball then. Waddle gets a pass. They get an end zone. They ended up with an end zone intercession by J.C. Jackson of the Chargers to kill that drive. But um, Miami's defense stepped it up with a cornerback blitz. Um, it almost caused the safety. Uh, Herbert almost got uh, caught with a safety in the end zone, but they didn't. And San Diego, not San Diego. The Chargers ended up punting that shit away. Um, and then next thing you know, Tua finds uh, Tyreek Hill with a, uh, a big touchdown pass to go up 27-24 to by the end of the third quarter. The Chargers get that shit right back with a, uh, with a Kelly touchdown at the very start of the fourth quarter. But it was pretty much a back-and-forth game. Uh, Tyreek Hill get hit with a with, – he hits him with a fade with a pitiful pass with 145 remaining in the game. Uh, Miami takes the 36-34 to lead, but they missed the point after. So this game, they had like seven fucking lead changes. Crazy, right? But Miami's defense really stepped up at the end, man. They, um, Herbert was trying to set up the screen, but if you saw the play, the running back didn't get out far enough in time, and Herbert throws the pass, and the refs call him for intentional grounding. So it goes to second and 20 with a loss of down. Miami gets pretty much back-to-back sacks. They got one sack up the middle, one play, they became third and 30, and then next thing you know, Phillips – ends the game on another sack, and that was all she wrote, where Miami, as of right now, that's the game of the year, even through week one, big game win over the fucking, um, over the Chargers. And then, of course, the last game, <laughs> what a joke of that was. And we, like I said, we apologize what happened with that shit. Um, we were supposed to have a post game. Um, Giants get smoked by the Cowboys, but we had technical difficulties, so I'm pretty sure uh, we'll have um, the guys will talk about what happened in the preview game uh, on Thursday versus the Cardinals. Uh, I mean, wow. I mean, if you was to ask me on this game, a lot of shit went wrong, and I talked about this with Brian from the Big Hitters Corner Podcast when I was on his show about the special teams, and this came into fruition very early. Um, with the punt, with the block and the return, uh, not able to block up front. But I also look at this also with the quarterback. We don't have that kind of quarterback who's going to change his protection, uh, change plays at the uh, line of scrimmage like that. If you really go back and watch some of this game, he doesn't do that. And the Giants film is going to catch up with a lot of opponents this year if the Giants don't make that adjustment with the quarterback. Everything went bad last night. It was raining. 
the conditions, the ball slips, the uh, not able to, uh, you know, can't stop the run. He couldn't get after the quarter. He couldn't get after Dak Prescott. It was a very, very embarrassing loss uh, to, to say. Um, one of, probably one of the worst losses in regular season that I could think of with the Giants, especially on the Sunday night football stage in front of America or the world. But that's pretty much all the games collegiately and and pro. Uh, Like I said, from college side of things, Texas beating Alabama, that was a little bit surprised with the seven point, uh, the underdog. Uh, Elvis had a good game as well. Uh, Utah getting by Baylor, that's the game, you know, that game. And then North Carolina was a double double, uh, uh, overtime win over Appalachian State. But um, Wisconsin trying to come back against Washington State did not happen. And then also um, the other game with Colorado uh, pretty much turning it on against Nebraska. They, that's, a game, that's a team that's going to – that team can score in bunches. They have the weapons to do it. Like, I've seen enough where I said, man, they got the blocking. They have the skill set guys outside. They'll, they'll make it happen. And then on the pro side, Arizona's defense was a sleeper. I would not sleep on them next week going into week number two. Uh, they got the journeyman, uh, well, not journeyman, but a backup quarterback going to that game. Washington defense, especially their line, looks like Washington's defensive line. Miami and the Chargers obviously look good. The Cleveland Browns are a sleeper. Uh, nice win by the Rams on the road. And then the Cowboys defense pretty much fucking dominated Sunday night. Um, so by the time you hear this episode or sometime in the morning, um, you'll have, you know, Bills and Jets will not have an, a reaction to that game. But um, catch the next football episode, um, you know, with the preview with the Giants and the and the Cardinals here. But we'll catch up collegiately in a pro football. I wanted to catch up on that on our episode number one, all around football with Azul, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Did I miss this anything? Oh yeah, oh yeah, that the, the Denver game. Yeah, Sean Payton kind of showed his ass about that, man, talking all that shit. And, you know, I, I don't really necessarily get into that, but it was kind of a big deal. The media kind of played that up. For for Jimmy G to get that eight-yard scamper to end the game with a lack of timeouts as well, and then to talk about the lack of offense by the Broncos and pretty much not let, put up a lot of points at home on your opener, that's kind of a, you know, that's kind of a yeah, little sad to say. Uh, oh, yeah, like I said, about Baltimore with J.K. Dobbins going out with the Achilles. That's a bad break by the Ravens, man. Good win, but lose the war. Uh, let's see if they can get a running back off the street. This is why these guys want to get their contracts, man. Uh, hope you enjoyed the episode with the college and the pro. Sangre Esu, ladies and gentlemen. Blue Blue. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.